0: much experience you get, I think most people feel this way, is, is that you're on that like tightrope of slight fear that it might not work out. Right. And slight slight excitement that you don't quite know how it's going to evolve. So like I, I like to do quite loose sketches for clients and stuff. Um, I don't go super detailed into the, pe- into the pencils or anything and I just have like the rough colour and here's, here's where things are because I want the sketch to be exciting where I can then maximise the time I'm going to spend on the painting. But yeah, within that there's a certain kind of fear in a way but i think you need that because it's that you need that anxiety to kind of keep you going somehow it's like um if you were just fully complacent and and, okay i'm just gonna i'm doing this and it's gonna be exactly like this at the end then i think you'd lose interest actually as well so Mm. you might be more you'd have less anxiety yeah Yeah, it's weird yeah yeah. it's weird Weird. Welcome to your local Cineplex with your friendly neighborhood hosts, Renee Gomez and Zach Dennis.
1: Welcome back to your local Cineplex. This episode is is really fun. Um, If you missed uh, last episode, we had the great Rich Davies here on the podcast. I had loads of fun talking with him. It was very fun very informative really was fun to just just really just have a great conversation with a fellow illustrator and and one who uh, from my perspective has made it and is seasoned in his career so it gave me a lot of great insight and i would have to say the same thing for this episode you're about to listen to because today's guest we have the great sam gilby horrible with pronouncing names so i hope i said his last name correct forgive me sam if i didn't he's on this episode super happy to have him on the episode today so i'm gonna shut up and let us get to the actual good stuff so sam thank you uh for joining us on our little podcast i hope we live up to the hype (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks for what hype? <laughs> I didn't know that I, hype, but yeah. I, I am very happy. You know, thanks for inviting me, and uh, you know, happy to talk about yeah, like whatever you want to talk about my art and movies and all that stuff. So, yeah. So
1: you, uh, of course, you mentioned you listened to a little bit of our our past episodes. Um, which ones yeah. have you listened to? Just curious.
0: Well, I've just I've just so far I've been checking out because I know Rich Davis, right. He's a lovely guy great artist so I've been checking that one out but uh yeah you know I've, and I also listened to you guys talking about arrival and, uh, and Courtney Martin's lovely piece that she's done for that so yeah so yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna investigate more of your back catalog <laughs> for sure
1: yeah Renee's like yay I'm like finally yeah, finally someone yeah yeah, yeah it's uh, uh interesting of kind of how our show has been evolving because yeah. first we were like Let's let's like re- react to these posters, and uh, yeah, <laughs> it almost it almost kind of like looking back, listening back to it. It was almost like I felt like I felt like I was I, I was a bit negative. <laughs> let's let's change right. it a bit yeah. towards more supportive.
0: Cool. And, yeah, and, yeah. I and, think uh, yeah. yeah, it's interesting because even you know any kind of poster, whether it's like an obvious like alternative movie poster that is maybe a piece of fan art or even a licensed print or even something made by a studio you know someone's someone somewhere has put some love into that hopefully and obviously you know not everything in terms of the studio system and the marketing turns out great but like you say i think just you've got to look at these things as that you know there's a huge marketing machine behind these things and i know from experience you know even making a, a relatively small poster or or work, work piece of key art for instance you know you can have lots of input that as the artist or designer, you're trying to kind of channel that and make sense of the the feedback to the point where it doesn't break what you you know what you still want to do with it. So yeah, you know, there's always there's always good intent behind anything, I think. So, but yeah, not everything can turn out perfect either.
1: Right. It's uh, that's what kind of like Rich and I talked about was I'm mm. like I'm grateful for the poster posse and what the poster posse is doing for mm. the industry for for the art that you make, Rich make, what I, what I wanna make, what we feel like fans yeah. wanna see. They don't only really wanna see a Photoshop floating head poster, they wanna see the cool stuff you're, yeah, yeah. you're making. And so yeah. I'm glad the studios, th- thanks to Poster Posse, what they're doing is studios are kinda waking up to this and going, okay, yeah, we wanna, we, we may wanna keep our main campaign, but we're gonna open up these opportunities for these other artists to do these other campaigns to go alongside it yeah and so no exactly yeah. and
0: they can they can just coexist i think and that's what that is what's nice about you know what the poster potty are doing and have done and but also elsewhere and i think it's like it all kind of came out of i don't know 20 years ago maybe 15 you know where it was artists were frustrated by you know why is why are these the posters that are being used for the marketing of whatever movie wouldn't it be nice to go back to you know, it's a bit of a romanticised idea, but, you know, obviously I love the hand-painted posters. I can see that, you know, it doesn't always have to be that way. And you can have a graphic design poster, you know, that's not hand-painted as much, that can still be beautiful. But just having an artist's vision and spin on things, it's just going to give it more life and more warmth and more, hopefully, originality. Uh, but, yeah, what started out was this kind of, you know, this kind of fan, fan art uh, culture, and then, like, through the kind of galleries of, like gallery 1988 and um so hero complex and of course like mondo then that started to kind of feed back in where the studios are seeing this stuff that's happening and obviously you know we're in a lot of cases in their right to object to it in a way and even you know send out cease and desist letters if someone's (laughs) selling a load of fan art and everything but actually what's happened is uh, obviously that has happened but what's generally happened is they've seen a way to kind of bring the artists into it and you know so that's it's been amazing for lots of us to get to make licensed prints for either for new films in the case of more of the, the poster poster type stuff as so part of the marketing campaign or work with galleries like uh, bottleneck gallery uh, gray master art who, who have some licenses themselves and then create artwork for like a classic movie you know so it's um i've always wanted to kind of be part of that that world and i started out doing the the gallery shows which are mostly like unofficial pieces and then that's you know gradually led to you know doing some licensed stuff which is you know which is like i say kind of a, was a, a dream for me so i'm really grateful that i've got the chance to do it
1: i applied to be part of poster posse so i'm still awaiting my either acceptance letter or, or rejection letter <laughs> um
0: yeah, yeah. Because well, you got you know you got to keep keep knocking on the yeah. door, or you know not this that door, but any door, you know. And um, I mean, I, like for me, it, it kind of goes in phases of like, like I really wanted to do the uh, like Gallery eighty eight shows and like Crazy for Colt and stuff like that. Um, and I was applying to them for years, you know, and not hearing back. Um, but then while I was doing that, I started working with some cinemas in London, putting on doing artwork for events and screenings that they were doing. And through that, I built up a series of pieces that then, kind of, they were like my way into the gallery shows because I, I built up a body of work that then made sense as a portfolio. And then once the door, you know, opens a bit and you get invited to like a show or two, then hopefully other galleries see you and, you know, so it can kind of grow quite organically. But it was definitely for me a case of like, you know, putting the time in, doing the, building the portfolio, and you know, for most people that's that's going to be the case. I think you've, you've got to have like between ten and twenty pieces that, at a glance, work really well and show your style. Because I always think of it like anyone you you're showing your work to, they've got like three seconds. They're going to judge it within you know mm-hmm. three seconds. Mm-hmm. You kind of need to have just that. You need to consolidate it down. And it can it can take years to get to that point where you have that consistent look, and you know you've ironed out some of the kinks in it, and it's it kind of working together. And also, the fact is, even when you get to that point, you know, it's a continuous process. So uh, I always, you know, you want to look back on stuff you did a few years ago, and if, you you know, you kind of, you actually don't want to be happy with it in the sense that if you're not happy with it, that means you moved on. And if you were happy with something you did a few years ago, or even a year or two ago, it means you're kind of like you're not pushing forward. Right. You know?
1: Yeah, it's interesting, because you talk about portfolio and how you want it you want to find your style and you want to have at least 10 pieces that show that style and it's frustrating cuz i come from a th- the designer world i started as a graphic graphic designer yeah. first it's pretty much what i still do so it's like my we you're almost trained in in the design world to like have a bunch of different styles
0: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and then yeah.
1: this it's like it's the opposite it's like no you yeah. want to at least have a style you're known for so you get those type of jobs yeah. So it's like okay, so it's that's pretty much been my challenge is okay forcing yeah, myself totally, to stick yeah. with the style, find my style, which I think I have, but, and and push forward with that.
0: No, it's, but that's the kind of it's a continuous process, mm-hmm. and it's like a lifelong kind of challenge in a way. But I also had a graphic design background, so I was in the in the early days of web design. But back in those days, that was super creative, and in a in a way there was a big culture within web design of like doing stuff that was like almost like a signature style or, you know, you would deliberately be going to do something quite out there because then you're going to share it with the community and like, well, look at this cool thing we did, whether it's a particular use of typography or, you know, a color scheme or, you know, or even an animation when obviously like Flash came along things like that. So, So then I was doing that and then gradually over time, it made more sense that everything moved towards user experience UX and uh, web design became much more about function uh, rather than, than form, which was great. I agreed with that. But as <laughs> as like, a, I guess at that point, as mm-hmm. kind of frustrated artist, yeah. I became less interested in it. But yeah, when you're doing a, a UI layout for a website, you're not putting your signature on it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's, so, yeah. <laughs> but luckily, you know, I was working on my artwork stuff at, you know, in kind of parallel because I was always freelance and then gradually just, I ended up, you know, the artwork was taking up more and more time to a point where I could say, right, let's just do the one thing now. You know? Yeah.
1: That, that seems... But yeah. It's, a totally,
0: it's a different mindset, you know, mm-hmm. of like, yeah, you've got to go from doing whatever the brief says. You have to kind of also do that, but then hold on to your style. But, you know, but the, you know for paying the bills, you know, that can change. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've Earlier on in my career, I did I did artwork jobs where I was not exactly doing my own style. It was a bit of a, or like it was halfway there, but, you know. So it's all about, you've got to do what you got to do, you know. Right. But over time, you hopefully get to a point where you have a style and that is what people want to pay you to do. And you don't have to like, kind of like do something else just because it's a kind of a, a cool client you want to work with, you know.
1: Right. Yeah. It's uh, It's definitely a challenge that I think it seems like a lot of, artist's face and because uh, yeah. there's not a lot out there to like tell you what you got to do and so it's just it's mm. just about meeting people like you know like us meeting each other and talking kind of okay this is my experience yeah. this is oh well i experienced this and so kind <laughs> of just figuring out uh as a as a collective and uh so that's
0: yeah sure I, I, yeah i mean the other thing is like so now nowadays like uh, any artist is up and coming or you know wants to get somewhere they're kind of growing up in public on social media with their work, right? But I'm from a pre-social media age where, you know, even though most of the stuff I've done has been kind of within that, I'd also had, you know, a good number of years to build up to at least be heading in a tra- trajectory of you know where i thought i wanted to go so i'd already built up a body of work so like you're, you're not starting at zero whereas now if you're like you know you want to be an artist you set up an instagram profile for your art or even include it within an, you know your own personal one and you know all your stuff is out there and it's like and it uh it's so hard not to be influenced by you know how many likes something gets or whatever right. and and you know the fact is that. And a lot of that, I mean, I love pop culture and I so I love drawing superheroes and, you know, whether it's for fun or hopefully getting paid, but like, that's what I would do anyway. But, you know, you have to, if, if that isn't exactly what you want to be doing, you've got to be careful that, you know, that doesn't just kind of conflict with having what is your agile style like if you do something that isn't a superhero but it's in your style you know you're going to the reality is you're going to get fewer likes on it if it's not a popular property but that, y- y- mm-hmm. as a kind of up and coming artist you have to have that mindset of like it's just making the work that's important because every piece is like improving honing uh-huh. and finding your way you know um And you have to try and put it out of your mind, the fact that, you know, you're putting this out there for anyone to see it. Or, as is often the case, for no one to see it because the algorithms (laughs) won't show anybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it's it's not Star Wars or whatever, you know.
2: My first thought of, of him saying that is like, it's like how, I think, was it two weeks ago we talked about Bride of Frankenstein? and the the posters for that and how much we adore those but it's like you kind of yeah. like how sam said realistically people aren't going to go out looking for the bride of frankenstein or the wolfman because that's just not what's popular at the moment
0: yeah i mean you know there's um there's a niche but you know any any kind of part of fandom there's fans out there um but as you kind of you know you obviously you work hard to grow your own Following or whatever, and then if you're releasing a print, say, you know, like within your amount of f- followers, how many people are going to be shown the piece anyway? Because the algorithm is going to decide who sees it and who doesn't, and then you know, but how many people are into that thing? you're doing a poster for so you know it's just not you know so obviously the the more popular the character the more likely there is to be an audience but you know uh, but equally for anything you do it's within popular culture there's people out there it's just gonna be harder to find them but you know for, for anyone trying to do that then just spend some time. You know, there's often like great Facebook groups uh, for most of these things, or for everything. You know, so if you've got done kind of a piece that you think would appeal to those people, or I guess Reddit as well, get it out there, and and you know, or Instagram. You know, get use those hashtags and find accounts. Uh, yeah. And that stuff. You know, so there's an audience. But equally, I think it's. I'm, I'm saying that on one hand, and I'm thinking, but then really as an artist, that's just sort of waste, wasting your time, or at least, you know, what's the value of that versus just making another piece? Because if you think back to a commercial artist working, you know, let, let's say Drew Struzan, you know, making his posters back in the 80s and, you know, 90s, he was never thinking about that stuff, right? right. Mm-hmm. He, he was just, get, he, he was just had a, obviously he was incredibly busy, but he would just had a I guess, a schedule of like, this poster's got to be done by then, then I'm onto this one, and that's all he was thinking about. And yeah obviously we're not in those times now. The point is is like, yeah, we all got to do social media, but i think I think it's easy to get a bit you know as we all know, it's easy to get too distracted by it and right. um, judge judge our kind of self-esteem and our worth as artists from it and you know yeah. I, I say that from experience knowing that i do that too you know it's, it's kind of impossible not to but hopefully as you get more experience you get a bit better at just you know put something up there then you got to walk away mm-hmm. the most important thing is the next thing you're the next thing you're doing is really yeah. all that matters in so far, far as anything matters you know yeah
1: it's really a balance um it's i mean in a way it's like social media like for me i mostly use instagram and those hashtags can help you, but I agree 100% with yeah. you of like no, just produce work, and the more you produce, the more will be seen, and the right people will see those things, and like people like Poster Posse or any other kind of collective out there who is looking for artists they'll see your work and because you've been just producing you're, you've gotten better and that yeah. that will lead to another thing versus like you said if you're just yeah. so focused on the posting and am I getting enough likes am I using enough hashtags that can so easily just make it worse for you or just mentally too and be discouraging
0: yeah it drives you crazy yeah and it's also I think it's about you know it's it's literally just the case of what can you control and that's making more. Yeah. Art. What can't yes. kind you of control? How many people see it? How many people like it? But if you, you know, I still I like. I think if you if you make good stuff and you make enough good stuff, then people will find it. Um, but yeah, the, the trick is not to tr- not to sweat it too much. But but you know, it can take. The, I guess the point is, I mean, some people may have you know, well, I wouldn't call it luck, but like they might have a quick success based upon a cool piece that goes viral. Uh, but I would still say that's that's the rarity. For most people, it's years of work and years of improving. But of course, if you discover someone because their piece has gone viral, you're not, you, and they're new to you, you've not seen the years of work, right? right so right. it can, I think the other thing that can be hard is you can see something else you know, think before, and it's like, whoa, that's, you know, whatever, that's had hundreds, thousands of likes and loads of retweets, whatever. And that can just be the, but that, but that's
2: up. I feel like I always hear that story of the, the piece you least expect to blow up is the one that blows up and the one you're like, oh, Oh, this this is this is my magnum opus. Is the one that you know it, it'll it'll get attention, but not nearly as much as you thought it would.
0: Yeah, yeah. At that same experience yeah, here. Totally. Yeah, I was I'm gonna just say, gonna keep like, this yeah, going. Like in, in your head, you want it to be like, well, I spent whatever 30 hours on this, <laughs> so this should get this should get X number of retweets, right. or yeah, yeah, this one only took me two hours. So, but yeah, you know, like it obviously, it doesn't go that way.
1: Poster I did I did for a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I was just really kind of just messing around with you know my style i didn't think much of it and that's the one that's like my most popular uh, of people mm-hmm. who purchase i was like oh that's, that's cool i'm glad people love it and want it but if i'm like completely honest i'm like well i i find problems with this <laughs> you know it's like i know <laughs> i know what i was you know that was not, that's not like like renee said it's not my magnus opus it's like there's it's still raw but yeah, people see it and they like it. and
0: Yeah, certainly. And once something is out there, you know, you have no say in, you know, so, you know, unhappy or like you might remove some pieces from your portfolio, say, you know, if anything is out there, occasionally <laughs> that will pop up and, you know, someone might tag you, um, which is obviously a nice thing. But sometimes it's like, oh, oh, yeah, you know, I wish that one wasn't out there anymore. But that's, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, you got to. But then again, you know, it's like every, every, you have to do every, piece, you have to get through every piece to get yeah. to the ones where you're happier. Yeah. For me, like every single piece is I mean, yeah, you might agree a sketch for the client and then, you know, you're working on that, but like I kind of like the fact that I don't quite know where it's going. Yeah. Within yeah. a certain yeah. within a certain certain parameters, you know, I feel however much experience you get, I think most people feel this way, is it's that you're on that like tightrope of slight fear that it might not work out. Right. And slight slight excitement that you don't quite know how it's going to evolve. So, like, I, I like to do quite loose sketches for clients and stuff. Um, I don't go super detailed into the pe- into the pencils or anything. Uh, and I just have, like, the rough colour and here's, here's where things are. Because I want the sketch to be exciting where I can then maximise the time I'm going to spend on the painting. But, yeah, within that, there's a certain kind of fear, in a way. But I think you need that because... <laughs> yeah. It's that you need the anxiety to kind of keep you going somehow. It's like um, if you were just fully complacent and, okay, I'm just going to, I'm doing this and it's going to be exactly like this at the end. Then I think you'd lose interest actually as well. So Mm -hmm. you might be more, you'd have less anxiety. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. weird. You'd be producing less good work, I think.
1: Yeah. Rich kind of was saying the same thing last time of like, he still faces that fear of like, can I do this? Can I can yeah. I deliver what the client wants? And so I was like, "Wow!" I mean, it's like he's he's pretty seasoned into his career, and yet he still finds that he he meets this. And so I wonder if that's kind of it's that same thing phenomenon you're you're speaking of that anxiety of like, "Can I do this?" It's, it's that tightrope tightrope we, we walk to go. Yeah, yeah
0: absolutely. And like I, one one of the things I really like is it like in in one way when you're doing a piece if you're doing the client. The dream is kind of to have no feedback, right? Where they just go, "That's perfect, I love it." That's nice, but actually, I do like it where as well. Yeah, and yeah. you know, if a client suggests something that will actually improve it, or or they give you a note about maybe something isn't quite working yet, because I also will share work in progress most of the time. You know, I don't just like agree on the sketch and then disappear and then right. here's the final thing. Uh, I will be quite open and um, say, like, here's where I'm at so far, you know, I'm still working on this and this, but, you know, here's an idea of where it's going. Yeah, so it creates more of a kind of collaborative way of working. But, you know, but it depends. That works well with some clients, (laughs) not so well with others. So, yeah. yeah, So a new client is kind of exciting in a way, but then it's also, like, you've you've got to just sort of feel it out a little bit. And, um, you know, you don't want to open it. Um, for like an kind account of worms of like where suddenly you're inviting loads of extra notes, right? Mm-hmm. But if you, involve, if you involve a client, then hopefully you get a nice balance of it being collaborative enough where having, they're having some input into it but you know you're still holding all the creative cards you right. know and like making the decisions you know? and does it allow
1: you yeah. to kind of like control a bit when you decide to bring them in so you bring them in early in the sketches to where versus yeah, exactly, further yeah. along they have a crazy hair idea of like how about this you're like no 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 no. <laughs> yeah. yeah this is baked yeah, in yeah no,
0: totally and, and uh, yeah you, I always sort of have it so I'll agree within a contract or at the very least like in in writing and in my invoice like um well, like where possible always get a client to give you some of the money up front you know say 30 percent if possible or 50 50 something like that but yeah I, I bake it in as like there's going to be you know w- within the sketch phase you can have for the budget we're talking about you know you can have like up to three changes which can either be which could be a total one 1A, 180 and do a totally different approach or it could be an evolution of. The thing you first present, then basically, then once you're committed to the that sketch, that's kind of what the client's going to get. So if they say, "Oh, can we add like another character or another thing?", then they're going to that we could maybe can do that, but that will cost money. And if they want their 180 and they want a different idea, then and of course that's a whole different, you know, that's like different. We need a different agreement, um, another sketch. So that's a whole separate project. So so the idea of you know agree on the sketches and and make them like as loose as possible, but with as much info as you can get in there because it's like everyone's committed then. You you know you can do it from this, but there's enough room for you to kind of evolve it and just figure a few things out. Because if you figured everything out by the sketch phase, then it's like, I feel like, well, you're only going to be adding a little bit of detail to finish it. So you don't want to get too yeah. far into it. Right. So have a bit of flexibility, but make it clear this is where you're going. And then hopefully then then you get to a point where The final piece is just like a really beautifully painted evolution of what they knew they were getting so it's like if you squint at the sketch you know this is what it's it's turned into and hopefully that in most cases that avoids and going, Well, I wasn't expecting this, you know. <laughs> but also as you as you build up a body of work and that's the other thing about having a right, body of work yeah. and a consistent style is like they can see from the other pieces where things are gonna go. I mean I've sometimes when a client's seen like a really rough sketch, I've shown them a you know, and I put these up on social media from time to time, like a before and after of another piece because I want them to see like this one started out like like this and ended up like this. I think that can be a good way to kind of just show that the the contrast is going to be big, but equally everything important about it, the mood and the atmosphere and the composition is all in this, you know, this rubbish drawing here. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's perfect
0: yeah um but that's where the value is of any artist that's the value is in that rubbish sketch right right? that Mm. that's all the problem solving and you know all the ideation that it's already you've done it there so that's kind of that's the hard bit in a way um but it's also the easy bit because obviously that tends to come to you fairly quickly or with experience you get you know you get quicker at knowing what's going to work uh and then the actual painting is the horrible bit just <laughs> <This> takes forever, <laughs> just, obviously depending on the artist's style, yeah. but I guess someone like me and for, for Rich as well, he had on, yeah, you know, our stuff takes a while because we're rendering it and we're painting things in quite a lot of detail, so uh, yeah. the, the, the the beginning, the idea is fun, final stage, the last few hours are fun, and then there could be like weeks in between of just, ah,
1: yeah. this is horrible,
0: <laughs> so hard.
1: I just got over that hump a bit. I mean, it's still pretty, I'm pretty, it's still in, the, in, in that middle stage, but... I just got past that hump where I got one character looking like the, mm-hmm. the character likeness is there. I'm like, okay, yeah. I see Andrew Garfield. That <laughs> 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 yeah, looks like him. <laughs> um yeah, it may not be hundred percent like a photograph, but that's the whole point with these type of you know that's what people like about yeah. is there's there's that you can tell Yes, yes on a photograph and not hundred percent look like them, but that's the the uh quality of portraits your like style. that is the yeah. likeness is there.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I know, you know, like, you know, like floating heads, when they're photoshopped, gets a bad rep. And I know people <laughs> don't necessarily like that in painted posters either. Yeah. But I mean, I really do. But because to me, it's like, because when you're building the collage and you're finding the reference, obviously the photos can be from all over the place. Like yeah. the, I don't know, different lighting, uh, different lenses, I guess. And, right. you know, it's like, a, so that's to me why like the Photoshop marketing campaign never looks right. But when an artist takes that, those the different source materials, yes. but when they when it goes through their brush and their the way that they paint, that that's how it all kind of comes together and is cohesive. Yeah. And you, see, you know you do see some good Photoshop posters these yeah. days within that realm. Again, you know getting a lot better. And again, you know there's always there's creative people working on those, mm. and um, you know they're doing the best with the the, the photography they've got and everything. Um, but yeah, there's some. There's still, I feel something about giving it to a painter. It's just going to make it feel more cohesive. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I never want to. I never want to go photorealistic either. But yeah, sometimes people, are, you know, you get the comment of like, "Oh, that, uh, at first glance, I thought that was a photo," <laughs> which is kind of obviously that. That's meant as a compliment. Right. But to, I always feel like ah. Oh, sh- <laughs> just need a few more brush strokes that right. so you can see in there you know because yeah yeah but that's just the aesthetic thing and you know I, I like to work in detail And the fact is as you as you work on a piece and as you as you kind of hone it down your brush gets smaller therefore everything gets more detailed and more more blended in so it's going to look more photographic so but yeah I think it's like that's where but in those collage pieces like I say that's where it can really sing. Because mm-hmm. you get this nice, it's just one artist, all those, it, it's as if the same photographer had taken all the photos on the same day and right. the same lighting And, you know, that, that's the painter's job is to make it look like that happened you, up to a point. Yeah, that's,
1: I, I agree. Because to me, floating heads are okay. But as long as you can mix in a bit of like little vignette moments to where it's not just heads yeah. it's you know maybe a torso or, or, or it's a scene or a pivotal moment you know that can be included yeah. that just adds it a, a bit nicer and that's what one thing that uh renee and i talk about with the, the photoshop posters of yeah. he'll, he'll he'll think <laughs> they'll go oh it looks like it's, it's a nice photo I'm like renee they didn't have all those actors <laughs> on set at the same time yeah photographing it and it, it breaks his heart to know <laughs> <laughs> they uh, the the actors weren't there. I'm like, no, they probably shot these actors whenever they could schedule them, and then it's just photoshopped together, and they'll paint in light, um, yeah. they'll paint in the light to make it look like look like it was in the same environment. I, mean, yeah. I get the I get the good, the positive of that of like being able to produce something like that yeah, when you I, can't I, have I, everyone I, together. I was just gonna add that like I've been in that
2: situation because I I do a lot of video editing where they they'll give you assets. And sometimes you're like, do you have more, like something that more I can work with? And sometimes they don't. And you just have to make the best you have with what they give you. And that's why a lot of these posters, I'm like, yeah, they did the best they could. But kind of like what you mentioned, Sam, something I think about these illustrations is I, for me, they just feel more organic when someone does it compared to photoshop because you know like i know with your artwork you put a lot of time and effort and you did that by hand and that you could just yeah. feel that when you look at the poster and that's what i love about it that's what i love about uh looking at all of these artists and these illustrations is how organic it feels
0: yeah totally and um i think for a lot of us you know like we all grow up loving movies and movies speak to us and communicate with us um and it's very human thing you know uh, the movies is is escapism right Right. so i think like yeah a good poster can sort of achieve that like that same thing you know and i guess um like i think if you think about well my my probably favorite poster is uh tom chantrell's star wars poster
2: Mm. yeah
0: Um, because i just remember seeing it as a kid and it's so evocative and it does the brilliant thing of like the way it varies the scale of things you know darth vader's big and you got yeah. tiny spaceships, and you know, it just—it feels like you're. As you look around the poster, you're kind of imagining all these different scenes, and you're seeing this galaxy far, far away. And it's just a. a so I just kind of fell in love with that style of poster back then. And um, but yeah, it just it just kind of it connects with you in the same way that the movies do, in the same way that John Williams' score does. Right. Um, so yeah, so when a when a poster's done well, it, it can have that same. Uh, you know, and also, as well, you know, how often you're going to watch um uh, even a movie you love, you might only get to watch it every once a year if you're lucky, more likely every two to three years, maybe every five years. Yeah. Whereas, uh, you know, a poster mm-hmm. that you can have on your wall is a way that it's like a portal into the feelings that that film gives you. But, you know, you get that within one second. You don't have to spend two and a half hours watching the whole movie. I'm, I'm not saying the posters replace movies, but like, no, I, yeah. you, you know, yeah, a, it a a good placeholder. Can give you that feeling. Yeah,
2: I that actually leads to a perfect question, because so I completely relate to that. There's a lot of movies I love, but I I can't watch them all the time. So I have a bunch of movie posters in my room and some of them are like you can't see it, but I have like the Muppet movie. Back to the yeah. Future, Godzilla, and then all the Universal Monster Film posters. Mm-hmm. Those are just some of my favorite. I get to see it every single day, and I just yeah. feel that warmth. And I'm wondering, Sam, if you have any movie posters that you have in your house Good that question. you just love to see every single day.
0: Good question, yeah. Well, my two my two favorite uh, Drew Streisand's are Blade Runner and Back to the Future.
2: Yes, so, yeah. we have so, something have in those.
0: common. I have those as like twenty-four by thirty-six. Like just when yeah. they've recently, some of the galleries have done screen print versions of those. So I have those. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really a, um, a huge movie poster collector. Partly because I love too many of them.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> like so, so you know, and obviously a lot of friends and, and peers do doing it, doing it, doing it amazing work. Yeah. And you know, the truth is, I'd love to own more of them, but then I've got a family, so so I don't, I don't really. Yeah. You know, don't really collect. Obviously, you know, people collect them because they're an investment and all that stuff. I will say, like, so many great stuff. the
2: The hardest part for me is like choosing. Okay, what am I gonna put up? I had Close Encounters for the longest time, and I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, I think it's been a year. I think it's time to switch it out. (laughs) And that always hurts my soul whenever I have to see one of them go. So totally related to
1: that. Zach, do you have any? Oh. I I don't have the room for them, but uh, yeah. it would definitely be uh, the Goonies poster from uh, John Alvin.
2: Yeah, Goonies is up there like with me where you just kind of get that sense of adventure yeah. immediately just by looking at it.
1: Drew's uh, Struzan's uh, E.T., the hand. Yeah, that's,
0: that's magic. Yeah, yeah, that one's magic. And, and,
1: and to know that's his daughter's hand <laughs> in the... Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. Wow, mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah, well, I was, like, I love Drew Goonies poster as well, like, with them the all hanging off the, you know, off the stalactite, whatever it is. Um, oh, no, well, the, the one of them, had, yeah, the one of them hanging down is, is Drew. Yeah, right, right. Where all, they're all in a column, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I just love that. And But, you know, to make that, he had, he got, like, all the kids in the street to, like, hang off a ladder yeah. on a house opposite. So, what? Cause I, I used to, because I knew that he, you know, worked from restaurants, but that one blew my mind. Is like, well, how did he achieve that because there's no way that he had those photos right right, from yeah from the studio of them actually doing that so yeah but like you know if you if you don't have the reference you have to go out and make it you know so you know sometimes you don't have the pose that you want so you've got to you know find some similar clothing and and try and get the lighting close enough to like the face reference you're going to use and then you know make up the body from there that kind of thing so that's all part of it too because you don't you can't always just get exactly what you need and in the case you know that was obviously the case for drew as well like although famously famously for his back to the future poster he was able to go and photograph like michael j fox and christopher lloyd you know with the whole delorean well delorean wasn't there but they were able to do do the rest of it so he was able to set up the lighting himself i mean that's like you know obviously that would just never happen now right uh for us little artists doing you know an alternative movie poster or even a licensed thing but you know but you know, but but the point is, you might have to do something like that with for yourself if you've just got the face that you need. You know,
1: those guys were those guys were rock stars, man. It's the stuff they were able to pump out. Yeah, it seems like they kind of run into the same problems. I hear at least when it comes to assets, because yeah. I was shocked that uh, Rich, when he was doing the Ghostbusters Afterlife, that they really gave him nothing other than the trailer. He had nothing. Yeah, to go off of. It's
0: so it's really hard. Yeah, because you think, yeah, if you're doing a piece for something new that's coming out. Obviously, you want it to be. You want to have something in the in the no seen scene. But yeah, like some, sometimes you might be lucky and get a photo or two. But uh, really, that that it's often yeah. Just like well, here's the trailer, <laughs> and then I, I've been I've been working on things where like a new trailer will drop or like a TV spot that's like ten seconds, and there might be something in there that you can use. Right. Um, but often, you know, even those things there you're then lucky if they're in 4k they're often not, not even hd and if it's any kind of action obviously then it's motion blur yes. and yeah <sighs> so yeah it's a lot there's a lot more of like using your brain right so to, to interpret something that you you know is in there then it you know i think people maybe realize that they probably yeah it may look like what we're doing is simply pause the trailer and just paint that frame mm-hmm. But what I'm always trying to do with the poster anyway is like you want to get the right feel across. And yes, you're using certain particular frames and assets, you know, for a good expression. But then you often have to combine it with lighting from another scene or a different body or. And it's it's all about, you know, uh, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. You know, that's what I love about collages. Yes. Like um, it's creating something evocative and playing with scale. And it's that and it's about how composition is obviously so important like I think a lot about how you guide the viewer's gaze around the piece and not have them so like if a character's like looking out of a piece, then that's going to leave because we follow we're going to follow people's gazes. So if someone's looking out of a poster then you're going to follow their eyes out of it as well. So unless you have something bouncing off the other corner to bring you back in, um, you're going to just lose the viewer. So I, I think a lot about how to keep someone looking at a piece. Which is obviously important for posters, but also, you know, especially important with everyone scrolling on a mobile because you know you, you, most people are already halfway going past your thing, your yeah. artwork, right? So, so anything you can do in the composition to kind of trap them for a, a split second longer to look at it is is uh, is worth a try.
1: <laughs> yeah, I uh, I was shocked of. When I first kind of got my, what I consider my first feature film poster commission I did, I was shocked because they wanted this particular actor in the poster. They didn't want him played big, but he was their heavy hitter. So they wanted Mm -hmm. him in there. Uh, But when I asked, okay, do you, when they supplied me assets, it was like, I think two photos from, not even from that production. It was from a past production, a different show he was on. And (laughs) it was like, you want me to use this as a reference? In this, it was like, Ooh. he's a lawyer in a suit in this, in this show. This movie we're doing is a Western and yeah, you want me mm. to draw him doing like a punch. I was like, wow. So that was really a learning wow. experience of like, wow. Okay. I really have to make magic happen here. And uh, yeah, I mean, thankfully yeah, you... it happened, yeah. but I was, I was, that was a tight, uh, tightrope moment for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It can be very stressful and it obviously depends on the deadline that you have as well and um yeah sometimes those are le- less than generous but you, you know you still got to kind of uh, deliver and turn it around but you know it's uh, it is rewarding when you feel like you have been able to right. you know turn it around and do, do a good job with with something especially knowing that you know what you were sent wasn't exactly ideal um <laughs> But yeah, there's a lot, a lot of research often goes into it. And, uh, and and sometimes with pieces as well, if you're doing an official thing, uh, if you have various characters in it, various actors, you might kind of mean that you have to include someone else. Or like I recently did a poster that um, was going to have lots of people in it. And I found out after, only after I'd submitted it, because only at that point was it going to go off to the talent for approval, that there was one person out of this whole cast who... Basically, wasn't going to approve any likeness. Oh, so they, yeah. they just don't want to, they're, they're just out of that contract. They're not in that. Um, but the point being that once I removed that person, I realized that I can no longer include this person because they're kind of, they're not primary characters. Oh. Um, they're kind of secondary or even tertiary. So if you lose that one, then there's no point having that person. So basically my whole composition kind of broke uh, and I've got to rethink it uh, with fewer people, which I think in the end it will still work. But yeah, just one one person kind of coming out, which in theory, because from their point of view, they're like, oh, can you just take out this person and resubmit it?
1: Right. And Um, I'm like, no,
0: because you've broken the composition. Or, you know, by doing that, I've got to rethink it all.
1: Right. Wow.
0: But equally, I guess... Say this part of me that I like that challenge. Then it's like mm-hmm. I really still want to do a poster for this movie. Can I fix yeah. this? Can I keep what I keep what I like that what I had and uh, solve this problem so that you don't notice who isn't there? You know. So we'll see. Yeah. I'm not, at this moment, I don't know if I will succeed. But yeah,
1: it definitely makes you sharper, sharper for next time. Is there a Is there a poster, a pre-existing poster out there that if you could go back in time and be the artist who could do that poster? Do you have a poster? you would want to do?
0: No, because, I mean, no, because if you did that, then I wouldn't have that beautiful (laughs) poster to enjoy. Okay. Like, I'd have done done something different, but, like, because if you you do a piece, like, even if, in some magical way, everyone else in the world felt the same way about the poster I did, as you know, compared to this other classic poster. um, The fact is, because I did it, I would never be happy with it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, because if you, you know, if you make, making art is basically... It's always about the next thing, next time I'm going to get it right. Yes, Next time it's going to be perfect. Um, So anything you do, obviously you give it 100% and um, hopefully, you know, your clients are happy and hopefully people like it, but you will never, you will never have that satisfaction, really, not really. Sometimes after, after, if you look at an old piece, you've kind of forgotten the the stress that you went through to make it, so you can kind of look at it almost like someone else did it. Yeah. You get to a certain point uh, and even if you feel you've evolved you might still say, well, that you know, that still works for this this reason. Even if I would do this differently, um, but yeah, but you know, equally uh, on a I guess a bit of a tangent to that, like obviously I work digitally, but my background was in like traditional painting and like working in acrylics and and oils a bit. So I, I, I I'd like to think that I could have done some of what I'm doing if I'd been born, if I was like, if I was born, you know, a generation before. I'm not saying yeah. I'd be in the realm of Drew or anything like that, but, you know, the, the, it was possible. There would be loads of art studios, I guess, you know, in London, where you would basically have... A, your job would be to paint movie posters. So, you know... In fact, I think that's what Tom Chantrell did, you know. Uh, where he, did, he did loads of, like, you know, just great movie posters. It'd just be your job. So each week, it'd be like, there's a Western, there's an epic. Right. There's some romance, you know. So you would just be having to, you know, churn these things out, as it were. And, like, obviously, many years later, we kind of romanticised, oh, you know, about certain artists and certain posters. But when those artists were working, when the industry was really just commissioning hand-painted art for everything, it was just a job, you know. I mean, you know, a great job, but they were up against it, like, to get these things out all the time. So it would have felt very different, you know, because it wasn't about you it didn't matter who did it like you know it's only later that we were able to find out who drew struzan was and some other artists yeah, right You know, most of the time looking at a movie poster that was painted people didn't even think twice mm-hmm. in the same way now you don't go i wonder who photographed that you know so they were just ephemera really right just uh, just out there in the in the, in the world so but i think that could have still been a very rewarding way to work so yeah. i don't know i'm saying i'm saying i would have liked to have been part of that system Um, But there's no there's no one particular post that I wish I'd ruined.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I, when I asked that question, I I pretty much knew the answer because I think I think (laughs) most artists would answer the same way. I'm I'm the same way. I I want to be part of that system. I I would have been happy to be able to be in that same time as Drew. So let's go ahead and start looking at a couple of your work before we wrap up.
2: Yeah, and it, I think we're only going to talk about a little bit right. of your work, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, man, there is so, so many of your work that I'm like, just how? Like, <laughs> how, how did this even happen? Oh, um, thank you. Yeah. And yeah, hmm. right here, I think uh, if you can see Beer Street, this is probably my favorite work of yours, I think. It's okay. really hard. It's between this and I also saw you did some stuff with David Bowie that was...
1: yeah chef's oh, kiss thank you.
2: um but <laughs> thank you. with with what was like i'm just wondering what your inspiration. if you had any inspiration for these fear street posters because oh you yeah really, yeah yeah a lot really nailed it yeah that oh, brilliant. Well, th-
0: th- thank you that, that was so basically so this is with waxwork records so they're doing the, the soundtrack for the the netflix trilogy and i started working with them because i did a poster that's in Edgar Wright's film, The Sparks Brothers. So I did like a, oh, a kind man. of Ben Hur style right. poster that's actually in, in that movie, just for a second or two. But Incredible. that works with records, like work with Edgar and they were going to, they include that in a post as a, a print within the Sparks Brothers soundtrack that they're doing. But through that, they kind of filmed my work and they were just happening to start work on Street. And if you know the novels, basically... Um, the novels all have these beautifully painted uh, covers by the artist is uh, Bill Schmidt, I think. So I did a lot of research on that. I, I mean, I'd seen them, but you know, I hadn't, I hadn't ever read those books. I was not, you know, the target market for that back in the day, but um, not quite the right age. But anyway, I went back to all those, and what they, you know, they all often have uh, like making the most of any light source, whether it's like a lamp in mm. an interior or or the moon. And I kind of do a lot of that stuff anyway. So I love any kind of gloving light. You know, I'm putting that in a lot of my yeah. work anyway. And um, the cool thing was in this case, I was able to get, there was like enough photography that they were going to, that Netflix were able to give me. So I had some pretty good references, or at least I was able to make a composite where I'd have a close up of a face and then I'd have, you know, a, a wider shot where I could get the clothing. And then it was about building these kind of, yeah, these little, the or whatever of these little scenes. And just a simple idea of like the one on the left, you know, the girls on the left, on the left panel, because it's a, it's a triple gatefold that opens out and on the right, you know, the girls on the right and in the middle, in oh, the middle. Very simple. Yeah, device. that's cool. Re- really simple way, you know, of just having a sort of a, a theme that makes them work together, right? And then, yeah, just, you know, sending in rough sketches and thinking about the color palette, how they could all work together. And you know the point. What I really wanted to do was I wanted to pay enough homage to the original art so you could, Mm. so anyone who knew that work, was kind of get it. But also I wanted to not be doing a pure parody where I was trying to not be me. Yeah. I think I I think I like I do like these. I think they've struck a good balance of.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. They they feel like a homage, but they also for anyone who knows my work, not that that matters. That's not the important thing but i feel like they're still my paintings not yes i wasn't just purely kind of emulating another artist's style luckily you know the point is the reason they hired me was my they could see that my style was in that realm anyway Mm -hmm. there wasn't a million miles away i just brought out certain characteristics more than usual i guess is that they're a bit there's a bit more airbrush than i might use in some of my other stuff maybe but yeah so that was really fun and um very, it was like a quick turnaround as well. It was only a few weeks, I think, that we had on this. But wow. sometimes that, you know, a job that kind of comes out of nowhere is very intense. But that can actually be nice because, um, you know, it's kind of it's done before you know it, and you just, you know, you mm-hmm. kind of go for it. Awesome. Yeah,
1: I yeah, I, I know. Renee and I both looked at this on our first Street episode, and we're like, we, we, we wish this would have been the like official <laughs> posters. Um, yeah. yeah,
2: the the vibe is just so well captured and like, like you oh, said i think you. you 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 got the perfect mix where it didn't feel exactly like those old fear street books but it felt like an homage yeah. and it felt really modern at the same Definitely. time and it was just that, cool. that perfect blend of that yeah,
0: yeah. oh that's brilliant i, I appreciate that um, and also like then the final touch that actually the waxwork did was they added the kind of aged effects on it uh. to make them look like they were you know like book covers and right. stuff yeah, I mean, you know, I've I've done plenty of Photoshop where you know I could have worked on that, but it's also quite nice to kind of give them like, you know, just as the original book cover artist might you know, you obviously right. give the pristine art. Yeah, the the colours are brighter, you know, in my piece, and then they just styling that down, making it look a bit faded back, and that obviously helps the aesthetic. But yeah, I can't wait. I'm gonna, I should be getting my kind of copy of these. These are starting to arrive. It obviously has been these massive delays in the vinyl industry. But these are finally kind of getting to people now, so that's pretty exciting.
1: All right. The next one, have to talk about this, planes, trains, and automobiles.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: (laughs) Oh, this (laughs) made me so happy.
0: (laughs) So much fun.
1: So was this just a Uh, personal?
0: Yeah, this is a personal one. And this was kind of out of, I think I did originally plan to do it for like a gallery show, Mm. Uh, like a group show where it's like, you know, a tribute to an actor or director. But I think this was in a bit of a crossover period where I was starting to do more licensed work. So in the end, I kind of put this out as a small personal piece. I would love to do this movie in lots of different ways. Uh, you know, this would work. In fact, I mean, having a much older piece, that was more like a collage of, of things that happened, you know. Um, and, you know, you could do it in that way. But I just had this idea of like, uh, wouldn't it be really cool? I don't, you know, I don't really quite know when the idea came to me. But when it did, it's like, so basically, this thing, this is like all the vehicles that they travel in.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: You know, on the on the going across the hat and you know, just with their obviously Steve Martin looking annoyed and <laughs> John Candy kind of being annoying. So yeah, just one of those. I just once I, once you have an idea like that, you know, you just sort of do it. Um, yeah, people really responded well to this one, but I, you know, it's just such a, a brilliant movie.
1: Yeah, I think you nailed just
0: it. Just a tragedy—they tragedy uh, lost so much on the cutting room floor. Apparently, yes, they just got lost. I think I think it, wow. I think
1: it could have been a three-hour film. Yeah,
0: yeah, something yeah. Like that. Um, I, I mean, I, I would have watched it. Yeah,
1: there's there's a uh, on YouTube. Yeah. There's a there's a little mini documentary on, on YouTube that oh, wow. that shares some of the uh yeah. some cuts that survived and uh, uh, okay. yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, like anything, generally speaking, things that end up on the cutting room floor are there for a reason, but you know, partly with, you know, John Candy no, no longer being with us, and it would just be great to see more of, you know, the stuff that they shot.
2: Yeah, John Candy, he's like one of the sweetest, most annoying characters ever, but he balances that so well, where you you love him so much, but you also could see Steve Martin's perspective of everything, yes. that it's like, yeah. okay, who, what what is going on? Love that, no, and you pick. you captured that like the the way he's looking at Steve Martin here. It's yes, it's perfect. It's yes. just like yeah, he's just all giddy and stuff. So love that. Yeah, thank you. Man. Yeah,
1: which uh, Renee, do you have a do you have one in here? You want to?
2: Oh, why are you doing yeah. this? I'm putting me? you on okay. the spot. Uh, Escape from New York. Okay, I, I knew it. I knew it. I was like, I see it. <laughs> it was between that and like Spider Man, and I was like, but Escape to New York. Yeah, look at that oh, well, beauty.
0: That, I mean. Today it's um, as we're recording this. It's Kurt Russell's birthday. So yes, makes yes. sense. Oh
2: yes, yes. I had so a feeling. That,
1: I had so. a feeling. I felt it. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that,
2: but I felt it.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, I saw Sam. I oh. saw your post today, so I was like, oh yeah. So I actually, uh, I reshared your post. Awesome. for Kurt Russell's birthday. And uh, awesome.
0: Oh, cool. Thank you. Well, I, you know, like I was just saying, you know, we shouldn't be on social media too much, but. I always check i m d b for the yeah. birthdays because like I've done so many portraits you know right and, you know it's a good Smart. way to um yeah. frankly, it's a good way to kind of get your work out there that might might you know you haven't shared for a while. Uh, I think people get worried about sharing work that they that is old, but you have to remember that you know um, someone new might see it yeah uh, or will will see it, and especially if you've gained followers since you know last time you shared it a few years ago mm-hmm. uh, then it's quite likely so yeah. Uh, as long as you're still are pleased with the piece, then then why not? But yeah, this was for a gallery show. So this was like, I think Gallery 88. I think it was one of their crazy for cult shows. I'm not quite sure. I did, I, like, for about six years, I did about 50 group shows. So it's a bit of a blur as to what was for what. But yeah, I just love this movie. And in this case, it was like, you know, let's let's do a kind of, uh, let's think of a way to include all the faces. So this is a, you know, it's a classic floating head. Yeah. Just using the kind of radar... Uh, to break it up a bit and um, the great colors. Yeah, yes. make the most of the red and the green.
1: I love how that's you use awesome. that—that the analog grid lines in yeah. Kurt's face is. Yeah, I just love the use of the analog uh, in it. That's cool. That's so yeah, cool.
0: I think you know something like this. You, you know, your goal is almost like I want people to hear the theme tune. Yes. Mm-hmm. If, you get, if you get the atmosphere right, like I'm not saying I've done it with this, but I'm saying when I—that's what I'm trying to do—and I know when, you know, I see another piece by someone I really like, it often, it tends to be because it kind of, it brings those things to mind. Like you can, you can thumb, you know, hum the theme tune when you see the artwork, you know, so yeah. I so this is kind of...
1: I would hope that if John Combrunter ever decided like, to, to, to do a special re, re, re-release re of the soundtrack on vinyl, he would reach out to you and go, hey, I want to use this artwork. <laughs> totally. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh, how well, cool would that be? This would work really well on a on the soundtrack because if you go if you go if you, go, if you do the square then obviously the radar circle would fit. Yeah, there right. Although yeah. um, that that said, I should do a shout out to um, well, like Mark Aspinall. I don't know if you know his work, but he did a beautiful uh, soundtrack uh, with Waxwork Records um, maybe a couple of years ago. If you if you don't know that, I'd really recommend seeking out. Okay, it's fantastic, definitely.
2: Definitely need to listen to yes. that. we have to put Mark, that in, Mark, the, in the, the show notes. That's so cool. Is is Escape from New York one of your favorite Carpenter films, if not the favorite?
0: Yeah. Um. Uh. I mean. Because it is hard. Mm, I'd John say my Carpenter. my favorite is probably the thing. Same here. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. But equally, I really love Big Trouble in Little China in a totally different way. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're all. They're all great. I wouldn't, They're you know, if she, it'd be so hard to lose any one of them if you
2: had to choose. But it's, yeah, that, I go through the same thing where, like, because, like you said, Big Trouble in Little China is a comedy action film. The thing is like this serious horror thriller that I'm like, okay, yeah. I, I cannot choose just one. Yeah, we have to get all of these movies. Yeah. so yeah, absolutely get it.
1: Well, yeah, I think we did it. We did it once yeah. again. Zach. <laughs> I think we did it again. Sam, thank you um, so much for humoring us and coming on mm-hmm. to the show and, uh, and talking and sharing your work.
0: Oh, uh, well, no, it's, it's been a pleasure. So, you know, thank you for inviting me. And yeah, it's, it's always um, it's always good to talk about posters. Uh, not necessarily just, mine, but it's nice about, <laughs> just it's, mine. It's nice to talk about. Just
1: mine. I only talk about mine. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> It's nice to talk about the world, the world of it. And, you know, I know that for, you know, a lot of people really want to get into it, and or are have like a have a toe in and want to get further. So, yeah, yeah hopefully, some of the stuff could have been of interest or of use to somebody. Yeah, and if not, you know,
1: definitely to me, help yeah. me. Oh. You know.
2: I was going to say, I am not the same person I was at three thirty. <laughs> I am a changed man. Yeah, you
1: look changed. You
2: look better. Yes, yes I am. You look healthier,
1: Renee. <laughs> you
2: do. so. Well. Yeah, this, everything you said was super in- interesting and insightful. And, you know, it applies to this poster world, but it even applies to, like, any sort of artistic world. So yeah. I think anyone and everyone will, who's interested in some sort of art form will gain something from this. So thank you so much, Sam. Yeah,
0: cool. No, that's cool. I mean, I think, like, uh, yeah, like anything, anyone who's um, making things and putting them out there, like, in lot of, you know, it's, a, it's an easy job in a lot of ways. You know, compared to other things that we could be doing, let's face yeah. it. You know, but you know, there's still it, it still takes discipline and um, like continued effort to to have the sort of courage is is courage with a small c maybe, but making stuff and putting it out there. It's not always that rewarding. You know, a lot of the time, mm-hmm. you know, you hopefully, get some nice reactions. For most people, it's like they're either gonna hopefully a few people love it, then a few people might hate it, and most people just don't care one way or the, or the other. Right, right. so. So, you, so being creative, you have to, you know, try and find your way. You have to be of the kind of view that you would just be doing it anyway, yeah. you know, whatever the, the, the reaction was. And then over time, hopefully you just grow a, a bit of a following or, you know, more people find your work and, you know, that can help you to get it out there. But, yeah, you still got to come back to the fact that whenever you're staring at that the blank canvas the next time, you still got that trepidation of like, oh, can I do this again, you know? But I guess you you build up a body of work and you have a bit more confidence going in. Well, I've done it. Now I've done it a thousand times. I can do a thousand and one. And over time, it's just that kind of it's that attrition. Just, uh, but also don't forget to enjoy it.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> it is, yeah. yeah, making stuff is yeah. it's, it's fun too. You know? Yeah,
1: you have to yeah. build. It,
0: it is. It, it is a job. You know. Yeah,
1: you have to be able to enjoy it. That that's what makes it doable. Is f- you don't feel like you're working. Because of the amount of that you need yeah. to produce, it's all about yeah, just pumping as much as you can out there and getting better. And it's and yeah. it's enjoyable if you're doing what you love.
0: Yeah, that's it. And I think the reason to uh, to go for it, if you can do it, any anything creative is like yeah, there is nothing like being lost in just the flow of it. Yeah. You know, once you've got through the emails you got to do, it, once you've got your sketch figured out, and you know, as you descend into that like deep space of painting or whatever it is that you know creatively creatively you're doing there's nothing like it you know so Mm -hmm. that that is that is really the reward of the hard work to get to that point so very lucky to do that so yeah yeah, anyone anyone sort of aspiring to do it you know keep making stuff and keep getting lost in the making of it yes and the other any other stuff around it whether that's more commissions or more followers you know that will be a byproduct of just you Getting in the zone, you know. Yeah,
1: well, that's perfect. I yeah. think we should end on that perfect note. and That's beautiful. Yes. and Renee. Yeah, awesome. Let's uh, let's p- count it out. All right, all right, yeah. Uh, all right, count, count us down yeah. we're,
2: we're gonna say it. We're gonna <clears throat> say it. One, damn, you're about to witness us <laughs> perfectly do this. One, two,
1: three, <laughs> podcast, podcast over. Okay. Steal it no one will ever know